Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So, today, slash this evening, because the sun is setting here in the state of Pennsylvania, I am going to get a little healthy with you with my latest new guest co-host. Obviously, for the newer listeners, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. And depending on the episode, we might lean more heavily in one area or the not. Uh, but this young lady is going to help me lean much more into the healthiness. And to be fair, over three years of doing this show, I'm a bit of a geek about healthy lifestyle. So I'm excited. Uh, because, ladies and gentlemen, today's new guest co-host is not just a doctor. She's a doctor of naturopathic medicine. She's also an acupuncture and and podcast host, people. Podcaster in the house. <laughs> I love people who can multitask like myself. Uh, but listen, she's dedicated to empowering people to take charge of their own health. I've said this all the time on the show, guys. We are, we are personally and collectively accountable. We need to become our own inner physicians. Well, heck, she's also got a unique approach in simplifying natural medicine and healthy habit formation. How many times have we tried to figure that part out? Healthy <laughs> habits, people. So there's a lot more to her, so I'm going to bring her on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Dr. Janine Kraus. Thanks, Scott. Thank you very much for having me on. So we were just geeking out. Uh, I, I love to share the behind the scenes because this happens all the time. We start getting to know each other, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I should probably hit record. <laughs> <laughs> I do it, too. <laughs> because for our listeners, you just helped me understand that apparently you and your husband have a lot in common with myself and my new wife. I mean, I should say new. It's my only wife, uh, but we just got married on St. Patrick's Day. So uh, it was like, okay. I said the other day on a podcast, like, new? What was the old one? I'm like, oh, you got me. <laughs> Still knew this oh, thing. Oh man, yeah. Well, I mean, March—that's not too long. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not. I'm I'm totally a rookie at the age of forty-two, and but listen, you are a fellow lover of Colorado. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Best state, best state. People do not know what they are missing when they don't go there. So, <laughs> it's actually funny because also you you mentioned how. You know, casually, you've you've you also have something in common with me because you actually treat firefighters, and one of my former hotshot brothers from Arizona is actually in Colorado right now. I saw on Facebook they're on like it's his birthday week, so they're in nice. Colorado right now, experiencing the snow. I think they were somewhere near Silverton or Silverthorne, I forget where, but anyway, they're they're having a blast <laughs> in Colorado and and doing their thing. And I'm like, hey guys, enjoy. Uh, it's like if you need another place to crash. Stop in Edwards, my in-laws. We have a house there, so um, nice. Yeah, so because nice. we do not, we we go ski at Vail, and I'm like, I am not paying the cost of living in Vail. <laughs> no, no one should do that. No, yeah. it's much better over in Summit County where I used to live. Oh We're yeah, cheaper there. Whereabouts yeah, were you there? I was I was in Breckenridge from 2008 to 2013. Okay. You mentioned that yeah. again, before we hit record that your husband, <laughs> like myself has done a little mountain bike racing, uh, in his yes. day. And, uh, so, so where did you go from there? So we are in Tacoma, Washington now, and that was kind Washington. of our big one. Yeah. We, we kind of decided, you know, if we're going to do one leap, we're going to take it somewhere where there's water. Cause that's the one bummer about Colorado. I bummer, mean, yeah. There's yeah. there's streams, there's rivers, but uh, there's the lakes are pretty cold. Yeah, <laughs> there's 
there's there's a fabulous Dillon Reservoir that for half the time I lived there, you couldn't even get into because it was a water for Denver. And uh, oh. you could be arrested if you went swimming in there. Yeah, it so. could be contaminating uh, a major city's water supply. It's only a thing. I don't know. I know. I know. Yeah. Us dirty people. Yeah, but actually, I actually skied across a, uh, I don't know if it was a reservoir, it was a mountain lake. When I moved to Colorado, buddies of mine took me backcountry skiing up into Rocky Mountain National Park. It was uh, Mount Ptarmigan or Ptarmigan. There's like a there's a Ptarmigan glacier up there. And that was my first backcountry trip. It was like we dropped in off the cliff edge at 13,000 feet. And I'd only been living in the state for like two weeks, so I barely had lungs. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a local. Two weeks, I mean, that's you're local then. Oh, okay. Well, but, <laughs> all right. I mean, it's still – it's still uh, you can still tell who are the legit locals because, I mean, I was – this is – 2012 13 somewhere around there and half the guys on this trek were like younger guys in their 20s that have gopros all over them you could tell that they're going for sponsorship or whatever and mm -hmm. they're and we're, we're hiking up and not skinning hiking and these guys and i'm good until about nine ten thousand feet and then they just <laughs> pull away on the hike and i'm like <laughs> what's going on? I'm a, I just got done firefighting. I'm a hiking machine. And uh, yeah, it was a very humbling experience. <laughs> yes. So, yes. which then obviously that made me go start hiking 14 years too. Cause I don't like to not do well. <laughs> Have you oh, ever done that? There's... Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've hit quite a few of those guys. Um, Especially if you're yeah. in Breck, you're surrounded by a few. So yeah, we're like, we out over just over the mountain there. Um, into park county you've got like three you can hit in one day uh, that's the uh, democrat the, is that the collegiates right uh nope nope before you get over there oh. so lincoln bross and democrat are right off highway nine before you get to uh oh, gosh man. just outside of alma okay so, yeah lincoln bross and democrat oh, wait. you can bang out three 14 they count because as long as you drop what was it is it 400 or 800 feet if you if you hike up and you, if as long as you just send a certain amount and then reascend, it counts as another fourteener. I do not know the details. I was uh, just like, I got three in a damn cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> well. My first fourteener hike, I got two in one day. We did uh, Beerstadt and then Evans, and yeah. it connects through the Sawtooth. So it's actually you do a fourteener and then a thirteener and then a fourteener because the one in between Sawtooth is technically a thirteener, and that Sawtooth Traverse, man, that was badass. Uh, it was, yeah. it, that trip was funny though, because I mean, it's not funny when you hear the rest of it, but we, <laughs> uh, I'm hiking and when I go to go in, the guy's like, Hey, just so you know, we're, we're looking for somebody who's missing. Uh, he went, oh. he went missing yesterday. Uh, I guess an ice storm had come through cause at that altitude you could have anything coming through and you know, anyway, <laughs> he decided to, uh, continue on alone. He was my age at the time and it was his 32nd birthday or 33rd birthday and he had just gotten engaged and he unfortunately passed away oh, on man. that hike. And apparently I had hiked, I hiked right past his body and I had no idea where he was. I guess he had fallen off of a cliff oh, and geez. in the storm. And so they were, they were flying overhead with a black Hawk and I'm on top of, I, I get the sawtooth and they had just dropped in a, a couple of rescue climbers. And I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? They're like, well, you know, just be safe. I'm like, yeah, it's my first 14 er trip. And you guys are looking for somebody <laughs> who could be dead. I should just relax. It's okay. <laughs> Wow. Right. I might've thought about turning around and been like, Oh, I don't know. Nah. Cause I already had the first one in and I'm like, oh, I'll just keep going. Oh. And, and, and the weather was beautiful. We did the research, you know, I'm the rookie, you know, 
double check the weather, make sure there's no major wind events or, or you know, stuff <laughs> that possibly could be coming through. So it worked out great. But I, now, oh. see, now, now you make me want to go back. Now I got to go, go do that one. I haven't done the triple. <laughs> yeah, you got to do the triple or even Grays and Tories. Just to, that one's just up not too far from. I wanted to get that one in before I moved back uh, East Coast. And uh, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty fit, dude. I wonder if I can get out there on a vacation. Give me two days of acclimation. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'll, you I'll, can do it. Can you do can it. do it. I mean, in Pennsylvania, you probably get at least a couple hundred feet. I'm here at like negative <laughs> sea level. And I was out two months ago and I, I did one just fine. So oh, there you go. Fine. Right, wait, yeah. in, in Washington? No, no. I, I went flew from here to Colorado. Okay. And, so you can uh, definitely still come back a lot. You, you're fine. Okay. I mean, I saw that you did CrossFit. You know. Oh yeah, I'm a CFL one coach. Don't they call it CrossFit that shit. So yeah, there you go. CrossFit you that do shit. It. Let's let's freaking do, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do it. Carry another person you, up above you. I tell people all the time. The average CrossFitter focuses so much on strength and not the endurance and the conditioning. So I'm the opposite. So over the years that I've coached CrossFit, I was like, I learned to be strong as a fire as a is a hot shot. But I was like, you also need to have endurance because the average while in firefighting shift to 16 hours standard. So it's like. No, you, you can be strong, but you got to have the lungs, man. You got to be able to hike. You got to get a move. So, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've taught that a lot to people over the years. Like usually if I'm doing a, a CrossFit comp, it's, it's, I'm the anchor on the team. It's the team thing. I'm the team player. <laughs> who's the lung guy, the, the endurance guy. So yeah, super fun. Oh so, yeah. Well, well, listen, so we're talking about all this crazy health and fitness, nut and everything yeah. else. And I know you're a bit uh, committed to helping slow down that aging process. So uh, it's funny we're discussing all this because I tell you all the time that I've started doing crazier and crazier stuff as I get older. Most people mm-hmm. say it's the reverse. They do it in the 20s and then they calm down. So apparently I'm either miswired or you <laughs> and I know something that uh, people might want to pick up on. <laughs> I would say that we know something that people want to pick up on. I, I definitely. I This year I am 42 as well. Boom. And uh, yeah, yeah, score. Age is only Totally. I mean, it's, oh, your skin yeah. looks great. I mean, just throwing that out there. So, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Um, so yeah, I I started rock climbing this year and thought that was a good idea. Congrats. I uh, decided that that would be part of my getting older and mobility work. Love climbing, love it. Because yeah, I was doing the CrossFit and just like you were saying, not getting enough of the conditioning. I was kind of I like lifting heavy. It's fun. Yeah. But I decided that you know I needed a little bit more because I could lift some heavy weight, but my mobility wasn't so great. And I didn't feel like I could get into positions that I wanted to. And and for example, um, I wanted to play with my friend's kids a little more. And I got down on the floor and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> my back is so tight. How am I going to get back up? And so now since, you know, rock climbing and playing a little bit more with crawling on the floor and playing with my dogs more actively, I've found that my back doesn't hurt as bad. I'm not locking up like I did before. Huh. And one of the big things that I find in my practices, you know, a lot of people will find, oh, they hurt, then they stop doing stuff. And they just kind of go, okay, I'm getting older. I shouldn't do that. So hmm. when I told people I was rock climbing, they're like, what? You're in your 40s. Why would you start now? Are you like, kidding me? Shouldn't? Yeah. We just watched that new doc, uh, that documentary, uh, Dirtbag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Guy, that guy was climbing until he was like 93. Or something yeah. crazy, yeah. yeah. So don't give me that. Yeah, I no. felt bad. Though. I was watching that guy towards the end of the movie. I'm like, man, he's not. I mean, he's he's ninety three. So I mean, come on, give the guy a break. But uh, yeah, I find anytime you can get outdoors, 
invigorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to call it uh, Mother Nature's fountain of youth? I, 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 whatever you want to call it, I, I agree. It's and also, I mean, climbing and yoga were two. Th- I'd already I'd already been, had climbing and background, but when I moved to Colorado, actually, it was interesting. My mountain biking amplified. I got <laughs> heavily into yoga. And I was rock climbing all the time because my roommates, when they weren't backcountry skiing, they're they're big time climbers. Because I lived right in Golden, so I could just drop into the Golden Canyons there, and there was bolted routes everywhere. So we would get up like sunrise, you know, go go in, hit two or three routes each, and then go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was that lifestyle. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's something, you know, I like to mention a little bit about because part of me getting into talking about aging, getting into talking about stress and, and stress management was I had an epic place to live in Breckenridge. I could ride my bike before work, then go to work, then, you know, come home and ride again if it was the right time of year or I could hike or I could do all those things. You could rock climb and you could bike in the same day. The thing that happens in these mountain towns is it's expensive to live and yes, I ended is. up in Brackenridge is cheaper than living in Vail um yes. <laughs> as we mentioned earlier but holy cow I mean I had to work three jobs to to keep things afloat and my hubby unfortunately at one point was hit by a truck while riding his bike so I was kind of floating both of us for a little bit that happens so, so much in Colorado a sad it's a sad part is and was he road biking? Yes. Yeah. See, I'm a roadie yeah. too. I mean, I was just I was just out in my man zone garage because I was moving things around because we have our annual our first first annual ski tuning uh, party. In my I have a big garage, nice. so I decided to gut it. And then every year I, I host a ski tuning party, fire up the grill outside, fire pit. People go in the garage. I got little heaters, and then we just, just ski tuning benches and snowboards and skis everywhere. And People might be having a few beverages, uh, but it, it's just getting people. To, it's like a way to kick off the season, right? Because our, our mountains are just opening up. Yeah, it's just a fun thing. Um, but I have bikes everywhere. And one thing, I back to your point, is that I don't want to skip over that because people think, oh, my God, Colorado's amazing. It is. You and I yeah. are agreeing on that. But there's also lifestyle shifts. Like I was more of a roadie here back east mm-hmm. and, the, and mountain biker. But then I went to Colorado, and I found myself increasing the mountain biking more. And not just because of the amazing, beautiful terrain, it was because I didn't like the roads. And I forgot. I'm like, oh, Scott, you were born and you grew up in two different states, and they were both colonial states. Colonial states have all kinds of back roads everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Colorado's technically a younger state besides the terrain. So you don't have as many back roads. Uh, that was my wake up call, especially when you go up to Boulder. Oh my God. I know it's like, it's like a cycling heaven up there, but dude, I hated riding it. It was awful, awful. So. Oh, it made me cringe. I actually won't get on a road bike. I'm terrified. I want to be. You see, in the a lot of, of my friends have stopped. I have my my old circle before I moved west. My old circle here, half those guys don't even ride anymore. And I'm like, why? Like getting older? Like, no, they don't trust the roads because mm-hmm. they don't. I mean, because we we uh, in the past year, I don't know how much you follow cycling, uh, but. A couple of you know, Olympic hopefuls were killed. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just even the pros can get taken out. Yeah. Yeah. Is it that it's, bad in Tacoma? You know, kind of. It's only here. The problem here is people don't know what to do with bikers. So oh. you have space on some of the roads, but then you have people who are like, I've never seen a biker. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. And <laughs> so then you have people riding their road bikes on sidewalks here. 
So uh, <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole different game. And the whole point of a sidewalk is for pedestrian traffic, uh, you know, wheelchairs, handicapped, you know, uh, you know whatever. Um, yeah, they're supposed to be sharing the road, so to speak. And yeah, I mean, I see it, it everywhere. But so yeah. was he hurt? Was he hurt bad enough? I mean, how long was he out of work from that? He was out of work for about six months. And oh, so he was hit good. He he uh, broke his femur, um, had a tibial plateau fracture, had some detachments of muscles. Yeah, it was pretty oh, nasty. They ripped, oh, the tissues ripped off the bone? No, that's yeah. not good. Yeah, uh, his gastroc came off and his adductor so he, came off. So his femur didn't – I mean, I know when you break – sometimes if you break a femur bad enough, like it's life-risking because yeah. of that major uh, blood vessel, whatever that's in there. Yeah, that um, femoral. Yeah, the femoral artery. Yeah. So, I mean, was it that bad? No, no, it wasn't that bad. Thank yeah. goodness. Thank goodness. Oh. Yeah. So he just got some hardware and then they, they put him back together, took the hardware out and he's good to go. And he's got a claim to fame. He's got the fastest ride from Frisco to, well, no, not Frisco, Breckenridge to Frisco on Strava because we forgot to take the thing off <laughs> of his bike. And so the bike's in the back of my car as I'm headed to the hospital. So that's his claim to fame, the fastest ride. I'm a big Strava user. Uh, (laughs) Listeners hearing this, Strava is an app. Uh, You can use it. You you can sync your Garmin watches to it, all kinds of cool stuff. Or just use your iPhone. Um, It it will use the GPS. It's a fun app to keep in track for athletes. So a little plug there for the Strava world. Uh, Because I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan. And I think one or two times I might have forgotten to turn my thing off. And obviously it's just like fast line down the road <laughs> and they call you on it eventually they're like there's no way this happened um but yeah, sorry, he had, he had a good ride yeah he's like oh i'm sorry i was in the hospital yeah, yeah. we were kind of rushing to the hospital because i almost got run over <laughs> but hey you know I'll get, I'll get around to updating that one of these days so <laughs> oh man but he had his claim to fame on that one for a little bit but boy yeah strava's a fun one with the competition especially in the neighborhoods in the mountains gosh yeah keep up so how long, obviously, were you already into naturopathic when that happened? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. so clearly you probably had, I mean, actually let's pause on this. You probably had a few opinions to help him heal and recover, but is it like in the health and fitness space in general where you can't help the people that are closest to you? <laughs> it's really hard. Okay. I don't recommend it. I really don't because you try and they look at you and they're like, okay, maybe um, my husband I love him to death, but he he will cry even if I take out an acupuncture needle and I'm like, I'm getting you. I'm going to come get you with one. Oh, man. He doesn't want it. He de- He's like, no, thank you. But a massage, he'll take massages all day. Um, I'm not a massage therapist. Though. I wish my wife was a massage, <laughs> had a massage background. She's because she's yeah. a she's an equine horse vet and mm-hmm. she's also a doctor chiropractic for animals as well. And I'm like, hey, I'm a big animal. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not the same. I'm like, but you said you studied alongside of humans. Also in chiropractic school. She's like, yeah, but we specialized obviously in the animal side. And I'm like, I'm a big animal. Feel free. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it gets messy when you try to treat your family members, especially your significant other. They oh, just, yeah. yeah it's, nah. You try, no. but it doesn't, doesn't work out so well. We do have a close friend who's a doctor of PT. And then mm-hmm. she's, what's it called? Dry needling. Yes. She's skilled mm-hmm. in that. She she poked me in my butt with that thing. I mean, I don't know. Like she was there, I guess there's like some trigger point releases in the upper gluteus, maybe near the piriformis or something like that. That was uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. 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 Dry needling's fun. Just I'm keep a- wailing on it till that muscle fatigues. <laughs> <laughs> so but his so I'll be, hold on, let's pause on this then. So you you're skilled in acupuncture. Mm-hmm. 
help me understand the difference. I just see needles. So people hearing this, like, what's a dry needle? What's an acupuncture? I know they both involve poking things. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I guess help people clarify that. Oh, that's a great question. So it's strategic poking. Uh, when someone is doing dry needling, they're going after, like you had mentioned, the trigger point in the muscle. Okay. So they're going to take that needle and they're going to go directly for the trigger point. It's not an acupuncture point. Well, let's put it this way. Some acupuncture points happen to be trigger points, but hmm. typically they're not acupuncture points. And that's the only point that they're going to be using at that one time. Whereas with acupuncturists, we think, okay, if we have a trigger point that we need to release, we'll put a needle into that, but we'll also go, all right, what is that muscle on in terms of a channel? Because we have sinew channels, meaning that there's muscles and tendons that connect like all the way from your feet, all the way up to your mid back or even your head and your neck. Right. And so I'm trying to think strategically to affect the whole area and the muscles that are involved in that line of that one lock being locked up. So instead of just treating one area, I'm kind of treating the whole body mm. and the whole channel that's, that's locked up. Both are effective. Absolutely. Um, an acupuncturist is going to tell you that, that the acupuncture is more effective than dry needling because we're treating the whole body. But in, a, in the moment, I've worked with plenty of folks who were locked up, say, on a mountain bike ride or something like that, quick needle something. They go and everything's great. So mm. I kind of find that both techniques are absolutely useful just depending on what you're going for and, and what's, what's the person's main complaint. Do you need to get something relaxed in the moment and you don't have a bunch of needles? Then dry needle it. And okay. if someone needs, you know, a little bit more relaxation, or maybe it's like an older injury of sorts, that's when I'd say acupuncture would be useful to try to get the whole area. Now, acutely, you could do acupuncture too. There's no reason that you couldn't. So, you know, I, the, I, back to the love of Colorado, uh, I mm -hmm. found, I, I went to, my first acupuncture was in Colorado, actually. It was nice. still in the front range. I was going to yoga in the Highlands area of Denver. So I was like Northwestern corner um, there's, there's low, was it Lodo lower downtown mm -hmm. and there's high low or highlands or whatever. Um, and then what's on the way to the tech center up there, whatever oh. there's, there's like, like Harry a Creek, something like that. There is a <laughs> community acupuncture. So, uh -huh. cause I was a laid off firefighter. You, you pay based on your lifestyle. Like, mm -hmm. so since I was laid off for the fire season and going back the next year, I, I got to pay like, like nothing. It was minimal. Uh, and I'm like, it was all a trust system. I'm like, how do you guys run your business? But anyway, that aside, because I mean, but everybody just, you just walk in like, oh, where, where are you at in your current status? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, well, it depends <laughs> on what you pay. And I'm like, I'm a laid off firefighter. I'm like, oh, wait, you just pay this. But anyway, it was the, in order to do that, then you're put in a communal room. So there's all mm -hmm. kinds of like massage tables and chairs and all, and there's just people laying there with needles hanging out of them, relaxing, like going asleep. I walk into this, I'm like, what did I just get myself <laughs> into? Uh, uh, I was like, is there a VIP room? Like, yeah, but you're paying the blah, blah, blah rate. I'm like, okay, I'll just go sit on this thing and you can poke me. Uh, <laughs> that was my first, uh, I'm not trying to freak out the listeners. I just, I don't hide anything. It was yeah. weird, It was, but it was fun. It was cool like when they, they, they poked something in my forehead and I felt it in my toe, you know, type uh -huh. of thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. so. That's those sinew channels I was talking about having an effect through the whole body. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's well, crazy stuff. It was crazy because I thought they would like put more needles on me and they actually didn't uh, put that many for the very first time. So I was like, okay. 
because I see you stuff you see stuff on the internet and everything else. People got like, you know, fifty needles, you know, poked into them. I'm like, okay, well, how do I get that? I don't. Maybe I don't need that. I don't know. What's what's the rule on that from acupuncture? Is it obviously it's probably quality over quantity. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's targeting where you're going to, I think if you put in 50 needles, you might be getting the body to a point where it doesn't know what it's supposed to do. Mm. Have I done that? Absolutely. Um, have I learned that I need to do a little less is more? Yes. I'd say probably 30 to 40 are, are on average for okay. someone that's doing sports medicine style acupuncture. If you're trying to chill someone out, like they're there just for relaxation, you probably won't get more than like 12 to 15 needles. Then that's the probably what they did for me. Cause it's just, you know, this is a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. but that makes sense because like, I, I don't even go to mass. I don't even go, I don't go for like, I call them foo-foo massages. Mm-hmm. I go in there. I'm like, you better work me over. Okay. <laughs> and so there's only one woman I know here locally that can push me to the point of crying. And people are like, why would you do that? I'm like, because it's good for you. And they're like, why is it good for you? And I said, because she's getting into some stuff that I need to have her break up. And my <laughs> wife is the same way. Like, we don't want this, like, Oh, it's a nice, soft, Swedish blah. Like, no, get in on that sucker. Let's break it up. Let's get it out. What are your thoughts on that? Oh man, I don't like to be tickled. That's kind of how the light massage feels to me, uh, or petted. It's strange. Um, yes, getting in there is good. It depends on how hard they're getting in because I mean, sometimes you get, you got to watch the person and and for folks out there too, you got to see what your body's doing. Cause if you're obviously can't see me right now, but if your shoulders are coming up because they're pressing so hard oh, sure, into yes. your back, then that's, that's too much. That's yes. way too much. If you have to guard from it, then no, that's too much. And, and I have heard of situations in that case, but if someone's getting in there and they're holding on to that trigger point with their elbow or, you know, fit and then they're moving your muscle with it. That's perfect. I mean, I I do think that you have to get in there to get that myofascial. So the muscle, you know, the tissue around the muscle, the wrapping, you got to get that wrapping unstuck. So things glide so much better. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of the deep tissue massage. I'm just not a fan of like, so brutally. I agree with you. Yes. That people are like, I I should clarify that. They, uh, there's only two people that I regularly use. One's a guy and one's the other girl. The other girl, I got a book way in advance. The other guy, he's pretty much available all the time and he's awesome. And, but the reason, the reason why is because over the years I've only found, and this is not a male versus female thing. It just is, I just know, like, I think out of all the women who's ever worked with me, three in 15 years have been strong enough to mm-hmm. get what I want out of it. Um, and now granted, I've had guys work on me and I'm like, that sucked. So, <laughs> uh, so this, this, yeah. this is an even keel here, but yes, mm-hmm. they, even when they are working me over, as I said, it's, there's still a warm up process. You know, they're not just like, diving right in. They got to work there. They, they're going to get deeper yes. and deeper as we build it up. So I agree. Yeah. You shouldn't be cringing and locking up and like fighting it. You should be getting it released. So yeah. If the tears are tears of joy because you're getting those muscles released and maybe a little bit of pain, but you're not like gripping, like it's searing pain. Oh, I do absolutely. some Lamaze breathing sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I, mean like, I was like, hey, just if if, this, if, if you're not used to it, like, I'm going to be going through some breathing exercises. They're like, oh, do I need to back off? I'm like, nope, I'm just, I'm just going with it. It's okay. I got this. This is how I keep my body from locking up. I'm just going to breathe through it. Let it out. Mm-hmm. I learned that over the years as well. The power of breathing. Absolutely. One of the most free things that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Yeah. What's up with that? I mean, now yoga, for example, is a great practice that tries to get you to center yourself and find, for the most part, most yoga practices try and teach you that timing and your breath and everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this stuff you bring up in your practice as well? 
Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, breathing is huge. Cause like a lot of times even I'll run someone's labs and I'll see that their carbon dioxide levels are off hmm. and one way or the other, I can tell if they're hyperventilating. So breathing short, fast breaths for too long, or if they've been breathing super like holding their breath kind of stuff. And then they sigh, then they take a breath and then they sigh, take a breath. And you can tell with the muscles, you can tell with their upper back, how tight things are. So yeah, I am, I mean, you could calm down some serious stress. You could probably, if I venture to say that you could probably reverse some aging if you just breathe a little bit more. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Belief. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I, I like to trigger that back to that, that mental game, right? Is, and I truly back that up. I mean, guys, I tell people all the time, like guys, like you can CrossFit the shit out of it all you want. <laughs> and I was like, but a lot of that uh, is because I'm a big fan of what's called the hero wads. Every Sunday, my, yeah. my buddies, I, I go to a couple different boxes and I have my own, I have my own gym in my garage, but I tell you all the time, like, man, you can't beat the power of your mental game. Because and that, and that that's stuff that got f- stronger over the years thanks to serving as a hotshot and doing all these crazy things I do. But like you know, every time I go skydiving, it gets easier and easier. Uh, doing a mountain bike race doesn't even phase me anymore. This year was my first time trying a hundred mile mountain bike race. Uh, that was nice. epic. Um, <laughs> and that was after I collapsed my lung in January. So that was good times. I don't recommend that, by the way. <laughs> how did, how, wait, how did you do that? I coughed too hard. What? Interesting. I was waiting for your reaction. So yeah, huh. apparently if you're a tall, I'm a six foot four, 190 pounds right now. Okay. If you're a tall, lean athlete. After all these years, all the crazy stuff I've done. I, I was doing a holiday workout after last Christmas and you know, hero wide stuff. And I just happened to catch a clean and jerk the wrong way. I might've been overly arched just for a split second. And it displaced a, uh, a rib in my back. And I've done that before. I did a firefight when I fell off of a cliff. So it's like I knew exactly what it felt like. I'm like, okay, I just got to get into my Cairo, and they can relax it and and get it realigned. Because I mean, it's really more of a cartilage issue. But because my uh, intercostals were all pissed and not able to fully flex and expand like they normally are for the ladies and gentlemen listening, that's that's your basically your rib area you know, around the whole side of your uh, pelvic girdle above your pelvic girdle. I was just like, dude, why, why can't I breathe? Cause I didn't know I did it. <laughs> and so I would like, I, I go, I continue work to, I kept working out <laughs> and, and then like a week goes by and I'm still coughing. I'm like, Oh man, I, I don't get sick. What the heck? I'm a health nut. And I'm like, okay, I must be getting sick. So I just kept coughing and then it kept getting <laughs> worse and worse. And then I guess if you go through periods of traumatic coughs, I mean, you could traumatize the lung and then create what's called a bleb on the surface of the lung which is an air blister, which mm-hmm. basically you traumatize the lung enough and you actually break some of your alveoli, your air sac in your lung. And then that air gets released and it usually goes to the top of the lung. And then that gets pushed in basically like a blister on the surface of your lung. And you keep coughing and stuff. Your, your lung rubs the inside of your rib cage and you could release the air. So I self-collapsed my own lung. So it's called oh, a spontaneous yeah. pneumothorax. So there's traumatic pneumothorax when people break a rib or get stabbed I was a spontaneous pneumothorax. And then, ladies and gentlemen, since we have a doctor on the call today, um, (laughs) please listen to the professionals. And even though your wife is a doctor, an equine vet doctor, you could listen to her because she told me to go get a chest x-ray and I wouldn't. So three weeks went by and I had it. And then I competed at a CrossFit comp with it. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a jackass. Um, so I can laugh about it now. And I couldn't figure out why Mr. Endurance Athlete, like after every, there was four workouts. After every workout, I'm like on the ground, like what the hell? I just can't keep, I can't catch my breath. And yeah, well, anyway, finally went for the chest x-ray and they're like, okay, we need to rush you to the ER. Now you have a significant collapse of your left lung. And I'm like, what's significant? And they're like 35%. Wow. Like we, we don't know how the hell you're standing here. And I'm like, well, I've had it for like three weeks. You sure? And they're like three weeks. I was like, yeah, I just competed in a CrossFit comp because the guy working <laughs> that night goes to the same gym. So he's the, oh, P- no. he's the PA. He comes in and he's like, weren't you just at the gym? I'm like, yeah. He's like, holy crap, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> so you being a doctor, even though you're on the naturopathic side, I'm sure you would appreciate this, this little story for your own clients uh, that I tell people all the time, this is why technology exists and it's cool. Like there's a balance of medicine and functional and naturopathic. In this case, I needed to go to a regular doctor and just get it done. Um, but just to rip on myself one last time, um, my wife owns a portable x-ray that she takes to the horse farms and she's like, Hey, I can just bring it home. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to go. I'll go and get it done at a professional facility. (laughs) She didn't like that. Um, yeah, I'm an ass. So, (laughs) so there you go. That's how you, that's how you spontaneously collapse a lung. Wow. That is impressive. Well, it's impressive, but it's also jackassery because, I wanted to tie the story back to you. The power of listening to your body. I knew there was something wrong. And even after all the stuff that I've learned over the years about that type of stuff, I still chose to ignore it and acted like a tough guy and acted like everything's going to be fine. I started going, I doubled up in my my Cairo. I doubled up on massage. I started going for cryo and I was going in for cryotherapy to help bring inflammation down. I doubled up on my bone broth. I'm drinking my bone broth every day. I'm like, I, was, I did it all. I, I, all the hacks that I've learned and you know, it doesn't help if you got a couple holes in your lung. So no, no, no. You got to pay attention to those little things and your brain knows like you, you knew something was wrong. You were just like, all right, I'm seeing that's probably a really good point to talk to folks on the podcast to be like, all right, if you legit know something's wrong and none of your tricks are working, I usually would say it's time to, to go talk to somebody. To go talk to somebody. And it doesn't matter how tough guy you are. I, I know I fight with the firefighters I see in my practice. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm not gonna put you up on a board that says so and so came in because they're a weenie or whatever it is. You know, it's it's not like that. You've got to pay attention to science because you blow it off too long, it's gonna be a big problem. And that's what I try to save people from the big problems that come up. Well, that's why. Like I'm I'm wondering as soon as I started getting the cough, if the if the lung could have if I could have gone in right away, because this mm-hmm. led to surgery. Like they actually had to operate on my lung. Um, because they, they put me in one of those they they, they that, that night they jammed the chest tube in under my armpit right into the freaking lung and like a, to evacuate the air so the lung could fully reflate. So I had a chest tube and everything. That's awful by the way. Um because they said sometimes these things can heal on their own. Um, with enough back pressure, relaxation, those, these little micro holes, the blebs might heal. Well, they, I was in there for eight days and they're like, okay, you're, you're not healing. We got to go in we got to cut. So, um, yeah, but I was like, oh, well, if I would have caught this earlier, if I would have listened to myself, could I have prevented the surgery? Cause I tell people all the time, I know I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, <sighs> I don't know. Surgeries. I don't know if you want to take a position on this. Surgeries are 
if it's a necessity, I get it. But it's like like stomach surgery because I know you care about gut health. I'm like, really, mm-hmm. dude? People getting the staples and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, you're changing the natural way of things mm-hmm. that the body was designed to do. It's like you're using a surgical Band-Aid to fix what is – actually, you're not even fixing it because you haven't found the root cause that triggered your everything else. So – what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh man, that's a, that's like a loaded one of not fixing the the root cause. But yeah, surgery, yeah, it's gonna jack with the way things are aligned in the body. There's always gonna be complications, no matter what. Even if your surgery went well, you're super healthy afterwards. Your body remembers that something happened there. There's a and trauma. So, yep, exactly. And Chinese have said it for years and years that if someone's had surgery, there's a there's a scar. That area is gonna be more prone to locking up the muscles in that area, or you're going to need some extra work, some maintenance in the, that area. Anybody who's had gut surgery. So like whether it's staples or whether it's like the Ruin wire, any of the bariatric stuff, um, or even just simple, I guess I call it simple. It's simplified now, but like a appendix removal or mm-hmm. a gallbladder removal, even those leave some scars and people can have issues that develop around there. So yes, it's always good to, to figure out the root cause, but say if you got yourself to the situation where you did, you know, you got to have the surgery, there's nothing else you can do. Okay, great. Then after it, it's going, what was, what was, what happened? Like, what was the root cause? And then it's going, okay, now let's maintain that area. Let's keep that area moving. Maybe we need to keep the muscles around it strong. Maybe we need a strong core. Um, you know, it could be a million things. Well, that was the funny part with mine. Cause like during the recovery, before I left the, this, the woman, the woman who she's like the head of lung surgery. She's very impressive. Loved her. I got, I got to go back in there just to say hi, let her know that I'm still <laughs> doing great. Cause she, her and her Turner team and her, what are the assistant doctors that are still learning residents? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. like the lung squad is what I call them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they're like, she's like, listen, just so you know, surgery will be fine. Cause she's like, you have really strong, like, even though you're a lean dude, she's like, you're strong, you're fit. You could tell that you exercise, but she's like, it's just going to be a little bit of a problem on your recovery. And I'm like, why is that? And she's like, well, cutting through your intercostals between your ribs. She's like, and actually my dad had a best antidote for it. Uh, and I went back and I told her during one of our follow-up sessions, she's like, yes, tell your father he's a smart man. <laughs> it's like a car tire versus a truck tire. Car tires only have so many walls of rubber when they thicken the tire and they make the tire, they mold the tire. A truck tire has like twice the thickness. So they said, picture you trying to heal multiple layers of a truck tire versus a 70-year-old woman that she might have done lung surgery on. And in three days, she feels great. Whereas for me, I'm going to have pain and discomfort for the next like two weeks, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. trying to rebuild range of motion and and everything else. So, uh, Yes, that sucked, by the way. So, yeah. So I was, I was a big wake-up call. Um, but that, that, I don't know if you ever had the, the tire discussion before when it comes to tissue tissue uh, health. So That's a good one. I'm going to have to use that one. No, usually I'm talking about layers of – well, I usually use Twizzlers for my discussion oh, of it. Interesting. Because the pull-apart Twizzlers look like a muscle fiber, oh. and then you wrap you know saran around them, and then you show the patient you've got that, and then you unwrap it. That's actually, I, I never thought about it that way because that's right. I haven't had a Twizzler in a long, long time because yeah. I'm anti-sugar. But I think it's t- it's two slabs of Twizzlers connected, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, so you might have that's, like 
five or six twisters across, but there's actually two slabs of it in a pack. So. Yeah, they're slapped together. And then you have like the pull and peel ones have like five or six or right, however yeah, many ones. Yeah. 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 The slabs of, and then you pull them apart. So you pull the slabs mm -hmm. apart and then you got, you pull off each one. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah I haven't had a Twizzler in a very long so time bad either. So bad. You talk about gut health. Yeah. That'll rock your yeah. gut health. Bart. That's, that was a big, that was the reason why, like I was worried about my gut health when I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you talk a lot with your patients on the naturopathic side about the impacts of, Oh God, what do people take when they're sick or when probiotics. they're really, really sick? Oh, antibiotics. Antibiotics. <laughs> I'm like, like actually my sister-in-law is on a really hardcore antibiotic right now. Um, and I was like, please, I mean, I, listen, I know most people are going to the grocery store and taking the guessing game on their probiotics, but I'm like, take something while you're on the antibiotic because you're just thrashing your gut bacteria. Just, just. It's just ravaging that. I know it's supposed to help with this thing that she has to get it done, but I'm like, the side effects of what is traumatizing in there, it's it's rough. So how do, how do you explain that to people? Usually I find out what antibiotic they're going to be taking, and okay. then we figure out the hours in between their dosing schedule. And usually you can give a probiotic about four hours away from an antibiotic. Okay. Yeah, you're still going to kill some off, but still it's better than having nothing right. in the system. And a lot of times when people are having heavy hitter antibiotics, like say they're taking Levaquin or Cipro, some of the really big broad spectrums, I'll usually get folks on a soil-based probiotic because it's not going to be, you know, some of the stronger probiotics that have like hundred billion plus organisms, when you're that sick and you take something like that, you often aren't going to feel too good. And so typically I'll give folks a soil-based, which is a little bit gentler on the gut, just gentle inoculation there, or if someone's not into the soil based, I'll try to do like 25 billion organisms, something around that range. So you're not putting in a hefty dose. I didn't realize I've never taken a probiotic. I've just, I mean, like, well, are you against probiotics? I'm like, if you don't need them, like I, I mean, except for the occasional red wine, I don't consume sugar. I, mm -hmm. I'm a big keto guy. I'm a big fat adapted guy. My my client is Vinny Tortorich, who owns the No Sugar No Greens, <laughs> you know, trademark. So it's like, yeah, I'm, and I study about gut health. I have gurus like you come on talk about gut health, and I'm like, I'm pretty good. Um, but now I also believe in testing nowadays. I'm geeking out about that. I've had mm -hmm. I've had DNA analyzed. My chiropractor just did a deep dive into my blood panel as well. So now I got some cool blood data. Uh, I've actually <laughs> that's the next step. I haven't done. Just to prove if I'm right or wrong, I do want to do like a gut biology uh, analysis because I'm like, oh, okay, well, am I as correct as I think I am? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, I think it's worth it. It's, you know, on the lower end, you could do Viome, which is a quick swab yeah. of, you them. know, that. Or you could go to something higher end like GI mapping or Doctors Data has something new coming out called a GI360 test. And mm -hmm. they all look for viruses in addition to parasites. And I right. find that one kind of cool to to get a little assessment. Well, if you're well. going to get an assessment, I think the more, well, actually here, here's a good pause. Mm -hmm. Can you get an assessment? Like, that sounds pretty robust. Mm -hmm. Are you trying to get too much data in one session? Like I, I've always wondered about that. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well I can go entry level and just get this and start there. And then I can add a couple smaller tests on, or do you go for the whole enchilada? I mean, is, I don't know anything about that. Is, is it good to go for the full package or are you trying to get too much and you might not get enough accuracy? I mean, cause I know we've come very far with these gut biology tests. 
Yeah, we've definitely come pretty far. And I think that we still have, I would say there's some limits still with it. Okay. Um, because you're only doing some tests are a one day test, some tests are three day tests. Oh. If someone has parasites, even the three day test is going to be the best option. But honestly, with parasites, they're tricky to find. In a perfect world, we could test every single day and, you know, maybe not even see if someone had this parasite. So that's one of the faults of the tests. Okay. But you, you know, in terms of viruses and things of that nature, yeah, I think the stool changes a little bit. Our gut lining turns over every three to four days. So my recommendation for folks is to do one of the more expanded tests and at least get a three day on it, even though most people cringe and don't want to play with their poop for a couple of days. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, biome and, and the swab tests, I, I think they're interesting. I've supported them, but I don't think they're as accurate as actually looking at the stool and in the core of the stool because biome's getting what's on the edge, right? Because what right. you wipe your butt with is going to be what kind of smeared the edge. Of, I never really, I, yeah. I'm very excited. We've never talked this yes. much about poop. I've, I've actually, yeah. I, no, I actually, no, we have talked about poop on this show before and it was nice. around gut biology, but no one's ever brought up the surface level smearing of the inside of your, <laughs> of your, uh, yeah, of your, of your, well, your, your rectum basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so that's why taking a full sample of the poo basically gives you a really good idea of what's up. Now, in terms of your question of like, do I need the whole enchilada? Well, if you're not noticing that you have trouble digesting foods or, or you're not seeing any undigested food in your stool, well, maybe not. But I do find it interesting to know, like, do you have enough enzymes? Is it showing that, you know, you might not see the food, but are there little microfibers? that are in there that, or is there extra fat? Cause a lot of people don't tend to see the fat True. in the stool coming through. And so I think it's worth it to do the whole enchilada. And I think it's worth it to repeat it because we'll do it once a lot of times. And then folks are like, oh, you know, I don't have the money on enough cash. I'm a data geek. And I'll say, well, you know, if we're gonna put a protocol in, you better do it before and after and know like, did that it That I work? agree with. Uh, Cause like people, yeah. people tell me, oh, they, like I'm a big supporter of massage and chiropractic, right? Uh, I actually tell people like I haven't been to my MD in years. Uh, I I can't remember the last. I think when I moved back here, I went just because I I should have like oh I should probably have something on record somewhere. So I had him just run blood work <laughs> and like stick me on file. And he was my my wife's husband or something. Like, sorry, I'm the wife's husband. It was my <laughs> old friend's. It was my old friend's husband. And uh, so anyway, it was funny because people were like well why don't you go. What's what are you have something against MDs? I'm like, I believe that you shouldn't have to go to an MD unless you absolutely have to. Uh, because, for example, the base the baseline knowledge I have on health and nutrition is already far exceeding most MDs. I have no problem telling people that. And maybe some people may take that as being cocky. I'm like, because I literally consume podcasts and audiobooks daily. And I'm running a podcast show for going on three and a half years with over 300 shows online. And a good chunk of that is with health experts like yourself. So it's like, yeah, just through the basic acquisition of knowledge, I, I got a pretty good baseline. So unless I cut something deep or break something, I'm not going to my MD. I don't need it. I So I don't know if you have any people that take position like that or not. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, my my opinion is, you know, you're, you're your best health advocate, you know, well and gathering information out there. There's so many great people online. There's so many great podcasts. And that's, you know, my mission, it's everybody else's health mission for the most part that's doing a podcast is to let folks know what's out there, Speaking save people of podcasts, time. I was just, <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, I was yes. just looking that up. I, I haven't done any screen sharing during this show for the video feed on YouTube, 
There it is, the Health Fix Podcast with Janine here, people. Uh, also, this yeah. is all on your website, Dr. J. Krause. Was that? Oh, ND. Duh. Naturopathicdoctor.com. Yeah. I'm like, why does it say ND? Yeah. Because <sighs> we're talking to a naturopathic doctor. <laughs> so you yeah. got a hundred, well, as we're recording this, you have 157, going on 160 plus shows online. Yeah. Yeah. Been Go, rolling on it for a little while. Just trying to put the word out about what's out there and what's available. Oh, I'm going to go folks. listen to this one. Uh, the functional, I, I've been geeking more about functional medicine because there's, I've had, I've had a few people on the show and maybe you can help jump in quick on this, but mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand the differences, right? So you have, you have the MD, we just talked about MD, medical doctor, and then yeah. you got the DO and now you got the ND, which is you. And then there's, you know, okay. Are you naturopathic? Are you functional? Um, I'm a big fan. I've been watching where functional medicine is going. So how, how do you help people understand all that? Good question. Um, you know, it, it really boils down to how much do you dive into investigating your patient's issues and how do you treat them? Functional medicine is very based in every single test that you can pull out to uncover, you know, no, tr no stone left unturned. And I'm very much like that. A lot of us naturopaths will say that we are closer to functional medicine docs than we are to naturopaths. Really, traditional naturopathic medicine is herbs and you're looking more at lifestyle changes, things of that nature. Whereas functional medicine is huge in the supplements, high dose supplements, IV supplements, peptides, mm. anything that you can get into the body to make a quicker change. Herbs are slow and folk medicine's great. And I love naturopathic medicine for what it's for. But I think a lot of us naturopaths, because we are so interested in finding root causes out, we're more gravitating towards functional medicine using a lot of the tests, using a lot of higher end stuff. I'm super into peptides. So for I, I love this because I didn't even realize that. I, mm -hmm. again, this is the problem with assumptions, people. This is why we do this. This is why we're deep diving. So it sounds like there are some naturopaths who still stick to the origins of naturopathic oh, yeah. medicine. Absolutely. But I'm almost hearing that you, what, as, as you guys progress down the timeline, you eventually start learning too much. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, we need to graduate beyond the herbal root cause research. We got to dig a little deeper, get a little higher. And now you've, you're moving into the blending of the functional medicine as well. That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, for folks listening out there, medical doctors can be functional medicine docs yes, too. Yes. And I think for a lot of people, they, we, we get a little confusion in terms of our medical doctors, only functional medicine doctors, or can naturopaths also be functional medicine docs? And actually we can be both. And so it's just additional education, right? It's additional education. I don't have a certificate from the A4M or the IFM. So the different groups. Okay. So you know, the, I don't have that. I just am a geek and I research the hell out of stuff. <laughs> and so I am floating in all those worlds in terms of biohacking and whatnot. And I, you know, maybe someday I'll go get the certificate to be legit. But at this point, I feel like I've got enough under my belt to be able to, to navigate those waters of the tests, the advanced tests and the advanced treatments. You know, I got, I got to, you know who I'd love to see you get on your show? I had him on my show two years ago. You ever hear of the great Dr. Jack Cruz? I've not. I've not. So, because I, I was talking about biohacking him on the show, and mm -hmm. he's like, listen, Scott, when you're ready to level up, he's like, you can join my mito hackers. 
I'm like, what the hell is a mitohacker? He's like, the mitochondrial level of your cells. He's like, you guys are all at the surface level, man. He's like, because he's a, he's a neurosurgeon, neurologist, guru, crazy viral nice. following. Like, he's still to this day the most downloaded show I've ever had because he has such a loyal following. But nice. he's obsessed about the health of the sun, the health, healthy UV. He purposely moved him and his wife to Louisiana to get closer to the equator, maximize the vitamin D production, but all about the power plants at the cellular level, the mitochondrial health. And I was like, dude, he just blew my mind. Like, he turned me on to wearing blue blockers, you know, two nice. years ago because nice. it's dark now and I got, you know, screens and everything else. So eye health, all that stuff, sleep health. I was like, holy crap. Like that, that show kind of cracked me wide open. So, nice. but I still have his team's email. I have to see as, as yeah. I started running my show, I started after a while saying, you know what? I know my podcast is important, but what can I do to get my guest co-host connected? Especially if you're fellow podcasters, because yeah. he would be mind blowing dude to get on your show. So I would love to geek out on some mitochondria with him. That oh, is yeah. one of my favorite things in my office to work with. Really? So you are already digging into it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're I all like... about magnesium and, and all that. So. And vitamin B one, two, three, all those guys getting figuring out what's what's hanging up in in the Krebs cycle there. I'm literally taking a note right now for you. <laughs> nice. Good old Thank fashioned you. pen and paper, so that way I can't forget it. I tell people all the time, you want to memorize something, write it down. It, there's actually <laughs> a psychological trigger in your brain for that. So. I learned that from some other guru. <laughs> well, it's listen, good, I, I've been having a blast. Um, I feel like we can cover so much more content, but we're coming towards the end of our slot. And as I hinted mm -hmm. earlier, I got five back-to-back -back yeah. shows tonight. So I've got some homework. I need to get you connected to Jack and do my best. Um, sure. We've hit on firefighters and uh, obviously the health habit, you know, the health fix uh, for your show, gut mm -hmm. health, uh, stupidity with collapsed lungs, the love of Colorado, <laughs> mountain biking, everything, uh, your support of firefighters and first responders. So here's something I ask all my guests goes. What are some final words? What are some, what is something you want to leave behind to these? Well, for you, it'll be my listeners are newer to you. So newer listeners, besides going to ladies and gentlemen, I'll have her show and everything linked in the show notes. You can go find the health fix podcast, but what is an all company's message you want to leave behind? Like something to kind of like kick somebody in the ass. I guess <laughs> probably the two best things that I'd like to have folks and no matter whether they're my patients or anyone listening to your podcast, my podcast, anyone out there in the world, paying attention to the little things, the little symptoms that show up that are nagging you day in, day out, write them suckers down and pay attention a little bit to when they're happening. And then either if you're not, if you're not comfortable with the MD, find a naturopath, find a functional medicine doc or naturopath and ask questions. Why am I having these symptoms? Investigate. I'm a fan of Google doctoring. I think Google doctoring is kind of nice because you can get some basis information to take with you to the doctor. I love it when people come in and they're like, hey doc, here's a bunch of information I found about my symptoms. Hmm. And so what I'm saying here is advocating for yourself. Take the notes down, pay attention to what's happening. Write connections down if you got them. Do a little research. Go into a doctor's visit very well prepared. And if that doctor doesn't listen to you, find someone who does. Keep searching for folks who can help you because you don't want to let the little things in life turn into big things down the road. Prime example, what happened with your lungs? And so- I like to make take, it easy. Take note. <laughs> yeah. 
just take charge of your health, be your own best advocate because no one, it's true, no one's going to care about your health as much as you do. And that's hands down. Well said. Well said. Well, listen, hang tight. I want to proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I told you at the beginning of the show, we're going to talk about some health today, obviously some lifestyle. And obviously she's an entrepreneur because she's a doctor and she works for herself. So, but listen, I'm going to screen share one more time for the video feed out there. And again, for those of you listening in, you can always find this on YouTube. We always link it in the show notes. Uh, but a reminder, naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist, and podcaster, Dr. Janine Kraus. You can find her at Dr. J. Kraus, N as in Nancy, as in naturopathic, D.com, naturopathicdoctor.com. And I love her site too. It's, it's all about empowering you to take charge of your own health. Uh, and I've said this many times in the old show, thanks to somebody else on, that has been on this show, you know, become your own inner physician, do the research, mm -hmm. uh, do the Google, mm -hmm. uh, the Googling of the doctors. If, if you have to <laughs> listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks. you're not going to do everything tomorrow, but just start taking some accountability. So ladies and gentlemen, that is another healthy live the fuel podcast show. Remember we're here to fuel your health, your business and your lifestyle. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.